Hey, you're listening to Blue Jean Church's podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. To learn more about Blue Jean Church in Selma, Alabama, visit us at www.bluejeanselma.com. privilege to share God's word and I'm always so humbled when I have this opportunity uh, because it's only because of Jesus that any of us can come and, 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 and stand before others and share the love and share hopefully the truth of what Jesus wants us to hear today. Um, several weeks ago I spoke on uh, cultivating community and I looked at how as a fellowship we need to become a community of believers that love and support one another. And part of this concept is God's heart for us as a community of believers to grow up into wholeness or completeness or, or wellness, if, that is a, if that's even a word. Uh, Ephesians 4.15 tells us, speaking the truth in love, we grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Jesus. And I want you to catch uh, notice of two words there. He says he wants us to grow up in all aspects, not just a few aspects, but all aspects into who? Into Jesus, the model that we are supposed to live our lives by. And in Luke 2.52, Scripture gives us a beautiful, uh, a perfect pattern for growth. And it says, and this is at a time in Jesus' life where he is basically uh, going to enter into a, uh, a wilderness period, if that's a good terminology, for about 18 years. He's 12 years old, and when he steps out on the scene in ministry, he's 30 years old, basically. So there's an 18-year period that we don't hear about here from Jesus. But during this period of time, it wasn't he was in limbo. He was doing something that he's, I believe he's called us to do. And in Luke 2.52, he gives us this pattern. It says, Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. It's a fourfold pattern for growth that Jesus modeled for us. And I believe as a community of believers, we need to work toward modeling for one another and be complete in, again, let's go through the, he says Jesus increased in wisdom. That's our intellect. He says that we are to grow in stature. That's our physical well-being in favor with God. That's our spiritual well-being and man. That is our relational uh, wellness. And God wants us to be whole in every one of these areas. In light of this, I'd like to share with you a story this morning from John chapter 5, 1 through 9. The title of this message is, Do You Wish to Be Well? And you know, on the surface, that seems like a pretty um, naive question or maybe even a pretty ridiculous question because if I ask you the question, do you wish to be well, your obvious answer is what? Yes, yes, I want to be well. But if we look in Scripture, we see that that's not always exactly the way it happens. And unfortunately, in our own lives, that's not the way it happens many times. In John chapter 5, verses 1 through 8, 1 through 9, pardon me. 
After these things, and I'm reading from the New American Standard, and I will share with you there are some um, translational differences in this scripture. The NIV does not include the second portion of chapter of verse 3 and verse 4, uh, as does the American Standard Version, but the King James, New King James, New American Standard include these. And I'll share with you that I don't think it's a problem either way. Anyway, after these things, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porticos or porches. In these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered, waiting for a moving of the waters. Verse 4, For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever then first, after the stirring up of the water, stepped in was made well from whatever disease with which he was afflicted. Verse 5, A man who is there, who was there for and been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had already been there a long time in that condition, and he said, do you wish to get well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me or no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. Verse 9. Immediately the man became well and picked up his pallet and began to walk. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you that you are a father that cares for his children better than any earthly father could comprehend. Jesus, we thank you that you are a brother that sticks closer than any brother we could possibly have. And Holy Spirit, we thank you because you are our guide into truth. You are the one that Jesus left us to strengthen us and to be in us and with us. So, Holy Spirit, we ask you right now, as the teacher, would you teach us what you would want us to know? Father, I pray that my flesh, you would just remove my flesh from this time. And, Father, that I could only speak what the Holy Spirit prompts me to speak. And, Father, I pray that you would touch hearts. And I pray that you would change hearts. And I pray that you would heal people this morning. I pray for healing in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's look at this real quick. Verse 1, he says, after these things. And in Scripture, you always need to recognize when something is said, it's not just thrown in there by accident, okay? And you always need to look at Scripture within the context of other Scripture, okay? Because you and I know that there's been over the years a lot of people that will pull out just a snippet of a verse and, and build a whole doctrine on just that. But in, if we're to be true students of God's Word, we need to look at God's Word within the context of God's Word and know what he's talking about before, after, and in between. Measure Scripture against measure, I was taught early on. It says, after these things. Well, what things? Well, after these things, chapter 2 talks about his first miracle, the water into wine at the wedding of Canaan. Chapter 3 talks about it's a, the, the most known chapter in probably all of Scripture about eternal life and includes uh, John 3, 16, which is probably the, the verse you 
memorized early in your life for God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life he goes on he sees we see the woman at the well uh, we see that he Jesus is the living water the healing of a nobleman's son and now after these things after these things Jesus went up to Jerusalem and in verse 2 now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool which in Hebrew is called Bethesda having five porticos now there's a lot in in verse 2 let me just tell you there is a lot in that verse first it talks about he says now in Jerusalem there is a sheep gate and the sheep gate was a gate through which sacrificial animals entered into the city and I think it's ironic that the, he's doing this miracle at a place called around a place called the sheep gate which was a place that where sacrificial animals entered into the city and Jesus himself became that sacrifice to end all sacrifices Jesus was the penultimate of sacrifices beyond him there are no needs for sacrifice because he was the perfect lamb the lamb that was without spot or blemished and it says that there by the sheep gate was a pool called Bethesda okay which in the Hebrew tells us what it says that in the Hebrew that word is a place or house of mercy okay so there is a pool let me kind of paraphrase this a little bit he's there at a, a at a gate at a gate where sacrificial animals come through is a pool called mercy okay in verse 3 the scripture tells us that in these porticos these porches this area that covered the this pool it says that in these the porticos lay a multitude of those that were sick blind lame and withered and I think it's I, I think it's no coincidence that the people that were sick blind lame and withered would gather around a place of mercy do you not think that that's that there's there's no coincidence there and I think that if we look at the life of Jesus we see him being the man of mercy in fact in Luke's gospel he tells us that's exactly who he came to minister to when he when he stepped up and his first recorded sermon which he quoted from Isaiah and in Luke chapter 4 he said the people that he came to minister to the poor the prisoners the blind the oppressed in other words the sick and disabled the people that are attracted to mercy now what does that tell me how does this affect me in my life it means that I need to be a man of mercy as well I need to exemplify mercy in my life because if we as individuals and as a fellowship of believers if we will exemplify mercy we will draw to us the very people that Jesus wants to heal okay now this is kind of opposite from religion okay Religion says, give me your slicked up, shined up, pretty, uh, you know, all, all the, the right things, right credentials, you know, right titles and everything else. Bring me these people. Jesus says, bring me your blind, your withered, your prisoners, your lame, your etc." And I think that's what God wants us to be as a fellowship is one that reaches out to people that need Jesus. You know, in fact, Scripture tells us um, in, in actually three of the Gospels, in the three synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in all three of them, it says that those that are well do not need a physician. 
says those that are sick are the ones that need the physician. And I think the, 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 if, as I, if I read that correctly in my mind, it's not those that think they are well that need a physician. Because, see, that's the problem. We're all broken. There, there's, there's nobody that's in this place or in any place breathing air today that's not broken, folks. I mean, I've, I'm, we're broken in different ways, but we broke. I mean, we broke, and I'm not talking about pockets. I'm talking about we broke. And so, and so we need the touch that can only come from Jesus. It's the people that realize that they are broken, that realize they are unhealthy, that will reach out to God and say, Jesus, touch me, heal me, make me well. Yes, Lord, I'm going to answer this question correctly when you ask me, do I wish to be well? Instead of standing here in my pride and acting like I've got it all together and saying, I don't need you. But you know what? We'll see in just a few minutes. There's a lot that do that. There's a lot throughout history that have done that, and there are a lot today that are doing that exact same thing. Okay? So he says, uh, he says uh, and I got carried away, so uh, let's see if I can get my thoughts back together. Says, uh, it says they, they were there and that the multitude of those that were sick, blind, lame, and withered, and they were waiting for the moving of the waters. As I kind of said in, in, as I was reading this, that some translations leave this out, omit this. Some translations include this. I don't see a problem either way because I can see some significance. I, I, I like that phrase, waiting for a moving of the waters because you know what? There is a lot of sick people out there that are waiting for a move of God, a moving of the waters. You know, that's why so many people run after wrong moves, so to speak, because people are hungry. People are, are hungry for more of Jesus. There was a book I read many years ago. Uh, um, goodness, my brain's gonna go blank for a minute. Um, David Wilkerson. Uh, it, and, and the title of the book was Hungry for More of God. And man, it really touched me because, you know, I was at a point in my life where I really wasn't hungry for more of God. I was, I thought I was okay. But you know what? If we lose that hunger for God, it's, it, it, we're in a bad place, okay? You know, I, I, I was thinking about that this, this weekend. You know, I don't know that I've ever been this sick before. I probably have. But have you ever been so sick that you just didn't want to eat anything? When you're not hungry, that's a sign that something's not right, that, some, that, that there's a sickness going on. And if I am not hungry for more of Jesus, that should be a sign to me that there is something spiritually going on and I am not spiritually where I need to be and I am spiritually sick. And that's when I more than ever need to recognize that I have a great physician that desires for me to come to him and allow him to do what he can only do. So there was a moving of the waters, and I believe that, the, that we live in a world that is hungry for a moving of God. And then it, goes, it says in verse 4, it says, For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the waters. They stirred up the water, whoever was first. After the stirring up of the water, stepped into it, and they were cured from whatever diseases they may have had. And as I said, some translations don't include this, but I don't see a problem because it's talking about angels. And in Hebrews 1.14, Scripture says, Are not angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit eternal life? 
And as I was thinking about that yesterday afternoon, um, you know, you guys only get to hear me preach this to you once. I get to hear me preach this to me about six times, okay? So, uh, you know, so I, as I was preaching it to me yesterday, I preached it to me again this morning, right? And so, uh, but as I was preaching it to me yesterday, something popped into my mind about this, okay? You know, if we, we can only see with the eyes of our physical eyes, right? But goodness, if we could see through the eyes of the Spirit, what is going on around us and how angels, good ones and not so good ones, are battling, uh, uh, the good angels are battling for us. And I thought about all the times of all the crazy stuff I've done in my life. And thank goodness my wife's in Gadsden not to ex, you know, exclaim some of those to you, okay? But I mean, I've, I, I, I've, had, I've had 100 different reasons to be not here, okay? Or more. And I think that there were angels that were fighting for me, that there were angels that were battling for me to protect you and to protect those that you love. They are ministering spirits sent to protect those who will inherit eternal life. And then we see as we turn into to verse 5, we see that there was a man. There was a man. He was like one of the key players in this, in this story. And it says that this man had been ill for 38 years. Now, I will tell you, I am probably one of the work, least patient patients on the face of this earth. I do not do well with illness. I'll be honest with you. And after I've been sick about two and a half seconds, I'm ready to be well again. I mean, you know, I had this knee replaced in July and I thought I'd be running a marathon in a week and a half. I really did. It didn't happen like that, okay? But I really, I really am not a very patient patient. But this guy had been laying there, had been ill for 38 years. That's longer than some of you guys have been alive. And he's been laying there sick for 38 years, okay? Then Jesus, you know, verse 6 starts off with when Jesus. And you know what? That's kind of the beginning of every good answer that we could have. And then Jesus. And then Jesus, okay? Because what, what happens is we try to do it. And when Ray stepped up to bat to do his thing, or when Bob, or when anybody, no, when Jesus, when Jesus, that's when the good stuff starts to happen, folks. And it's, hap it's going to happen here. Just give me a minute. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had already been a long time in this condition. And he said to him, do you wish to get well? The same question I'm asking myself and each person here and online this morning. Do you wish to get well? Okay. And I, I love the way he makes it so simple because I, I was thinking about this even as we were singing. I didn't think about this yesterday, today, or when I was studying for this, but I thought about it this morning when, when we were singing. You know, isn't it weird how religion complicates everything? I mean, religion does. It seems to complicate. Well, you got to do this and you got to do that, that, that. You know, you follow them 10 rules. We got 15 more added to those and we, you know, make it real complicated. Jesus does what? He cuts through the complication and says, do you wish to be well? Simple, direct, I mean, honest. Do you wish to be well? And then the guy does something weird, different. 
but then as I think about it, it's not that weird or different because I do it all the time. And, you know, there's tons of people throughout Scripture and throughout our world that do the exact same thing. What does he do? He makes up an excuse. The sick man answered, Well, sir, I have no man to put me into the water when the water is stirred up. And while I'm trying to get there, while I'm coming in, somebody else steps down in front of me. And I, I'm a visual person. So I can visualize this guy here. He's laying, we'll find out later, he's on a mat or a pallet. So he's laying on his, on his mat, right? And, uh, and, and Jesus says, do you wish to get well? And he says, well, let me tell you why it's not going to happen. Don't we do that? Don't we do that? Let me tell you how this miracle can't happen. Instead of saying, Jesus, how can it happen? Okay? And he says, well, let me tell you, I, this, is, this is the problem. I'm on this mat, you see, and I can't get up and walk and get to those waters fast enough. And while I'm, and, and forgive me if this is, sounds cruel, I don't mean it to, but, but, and while I'm crawling over there, okay, to try to get in the waters, somebody else is in better health than me, steps right in front of me. Do we ever get that kind of an attitude ourselves? Oh my gosh, we do. We, we, we get into that pity party. We get into that making excuses. Well, this is why it's not going to happen. This is why it's not going to stick. This is why I can't get the breakthrough. This is why I can't get the blessing. This is why I can't get the bill. You fill in the blank. Jesus says, he cuts through all that. He just says, he says, do you wish to be well? He says this, uh, he makes up this, uh, this incredible excuse. And you know, I, I, I thought about it. You know, we'll, we'll get there in a minute. Let me, let me not get ahead of myself. Verse eight, Jesus, what does he do again? He doesn't do what religion does. He doesn't complicate things. He cuts to the chase. And Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. Get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. And you know, I think he would like to tell us the same thing today. Whatever it is, that, whatever area there is in our life that needs healing, to pick up our pallet and walk. Bob mentioned the words, or he mentioned the words several times a moment ago, faith. Faith. Scripture tells us faith is not something that we can see, that we can see with our own eyes. It is something that we trust God for. And that's what Jesus tells him to do. He says, with, by faith, even though he doesn't use these words, by faith, get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. And guess what? In verse 9, in verse 9, it happened. The man immediately, immediately it says, the man became well. He picked up his pallet and began to walk, okay? And there's, some, there's a couple of uh, ideas I would like to throw in this as well. It says the immediately. You know, obedience needs to be added to immediacy, if, that, if that's even a word, Okay? Obedience needs to be immediate, okay? I used to tell our children that delayed obedience is what? Disobedience, okay? You remember throughout Scripture, you know, when Jesus, would, when Jesus called Abraham, he, he left what he had. When Jesus called the fishermen at the sea for, to be his disciples, they left their nets. You know, it was, it was obedience, but it was immediate, Okay, and we need to do the same thing. We don't need to get like this guy into the excuse making department because that's going to keep us from the healing that Jesus desires to provide for us and provide for us today. In fact, uh, Luke uh, 
chapter 9, I believe it is, if I can get to it real quickly. Luke chapter 9 talks about three instances where Jesus asked people to follow him, okay? He says, uh, someone, uh, someone was going in beginning of verse 57, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I'll follow you wherever you uh, want me to go. And Jesus said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. The son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And uh, guess what? He just kind of drifted off to the side. And then in verse 59, he said to another one, follow me. What was his excuse? Well, let me go bury my father, Okay. And if you study deep enough into that, his father wasn't even dead at that time, okay? You know, let me go live out the life of my father and then bear him and then I'll follow you, okay? And then, uh, and then the next one said, uh, he said, first permit me to go uh, say goodbye to those at home. And Jesus says the uh, incredible word, no one after putting his hand to the plow looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. But the truth of the matter is obedience needs to be immediate. When God calls, we need to answer Okay, yes, Lord. What is it, Lord? We will follow you by faith, not by sight, but by faith. In fact, Scripture, what a verse that just popped into my mind about faith says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. We can't even please God without faith. We have to live by faith and walk by faith. And so we see that this man picked up his pallet and began to walk. Jesus was right there to bring about a healing for this man. He began with the question, do you wish to get well? And I believe he's asking each of us that same question today. We can either offer him excuses or we can listen to him and act, act on faith. I think about this uh, entire story. You know, what if that guy had hung on to his excuses. Is it possible that he could have laid at that pool for another 38 years? It's possible. And is it possible for me to live in my brokenness and my struggle for an extra how many every years? Yep. If I choose to do things my way, if I choose to, to bring out excuses rather than listening to that still small voice of God that says, get up, pick up that pallet, whatever that pallet is, and walk. So I'd like to close with this. Jesus asked this man, do you wish to be well? What about you? Let's pray. Jesus, Holy Spirit, take these words and drive them into our spirits. Um, you told us that your word was sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to, to, to divide soul and spirit, joints, marrow. And so we just ask that you take your word right now and that you do that, that you divide us, so to speak, that you would open us up to the truth and that we might choose this day to follow you, to immediately pick up our pallet and walk with you. And Father, whether it's, a, whether it's broken relationships, whether it's a broken spiritual relationship, whether it's a broken physical uh, issue that we're dealing with, financial issue, Jesus, I ask you to show up 
Show up this morning and prove yourself to be who we know you are and bring about healing in this place today. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope this message has equipped and inspired you to transform people, your community, and the world through the love and power of Jesus Christ. Whether you're from Selma or anywhere you're listening from, we'd love to hear from you. Visit us online at www.bluejeanselma.com.